Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Good afternoon. This is Mike Vandervoort, and we're uh, it's Friday, April sixth, and I did I only did a couple shows this week since I was at Work Human and uh, taking in that event, which if you've never been to it, is is really great, and I strongly recommend uh, you check it out at WorkHuman.com. It's part of the Global Force brand, but they bring uh, a lot of thought leadership. To, the, to what is a was a user conference, and they've really changed the paradigm. Anyway, our guest today is Mark Fogel. Mark, welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. I'm dealing with snow in April here in New York, but other than that, things are great. When I was it when I was in Austin, Texas, yesterday morning, people I was sitting with at breakfast with some people from Philly and. One of the gentlemen I was sitting with, you know, opened his phone, checked the weather, and, and let out an F-bomb, and everybody was like, what? And he's like, snow, more snow in Philly. And they were all, you know, they were, they were like, it's clear that the East Coast is done with snow this year. The sooner it's out of their lives, the better. So um, I'm in Atlanta. It, it's not as warm here as it normally would be, but we do not have snow. So we have that going for us. Um, Mark? So I think this is the the first time you've been on drive through. Uh, I know it's the first time you've been on with me, but just for the sake of people, most of the people listen to the show as a download off the iTunes store or they stream it later on. Um, inter- introduce Mark Fogel. Tell us what what you've done and kind of what you're doing these days and about yourself. Okay, so Mike, I'm a former chief HR officer. I've worked for some pretty big companies. Um, global global organizations and uh, done some real fun stuff throughout my career. And now I'm consulting and I teach grad school at Adelphi University and I'm consulting and I'm having a good time with it. And I'm continuing to blog and speak at uh, major conferences and hoping that, you know, my voice is resonating with the HR community. That's a little bit about me. Yeah. So, um, so you, I, 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 a few shows recently, I've kind of waited till the end. I don't know why. Tell us, Mark, where, what, what's the name of your blog and what's your, what's your, uh, what's your sort of your main topic? So uh, my personal blog is human capital three um, at wordpress.com. And I've been writing for about 10 years and it started as an experiment. I think, um, folks like Lori Ruderman and Chris Dunn and Penelope Trunk all got me started back in 2006, 2007, when blogging was still the wild, wild west, and you mm-hmm. could write anything you wanted. And um, that's somewhat evolved over the past few years of, uh, as I've been working in my career. And now I do some stuff for some of uh, the sites that many of your listeners might um, be checking on, like... Uh, I write for SHR Rev on their blog, but I also write for Fistful of Talent and uh, Recruiting Daily. So I okay. think what, what I'm about is HR with an attitude, and that's mm-hmm. what separates me from the rest of the folks that are out there. I'm not afraid to say what most people are afraid to say. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but that's okay. I can live with it. I sleep well at night. <laughs> is uh, Is that... Um, 
And you, you actually, I think, have a presentation at Sherm 18, um, which, of course, I also didn't say this. I mean, we're, I'm getting ready to run my own conference in a week. <clears throat> we have about 350 people flying into Tampa, so I've, I've got more than one thing on my mind, uh, Mark, which is why you had to That's remind okay. me last night that you're doing this show today. But anyway, uh, I know that you're, you're going to – you have a couple different speaking uh, – uh, topics at term 18 you're going to be part of the blog squad and we'll cover all that in a, in a few minutes but i guess um it is I, my first question is are you you said you're about hr with an attitude is has that been true through your career because like me you're you're on the gray gray-haired side of life now has that been true all your life or is that something that has evolved more recently as you've moved into kind of this mixed uh mixed bag career that you have of, of two or three different things you're doing and kind of on your own? Well, you know, that's a great question. I, I, I would say early in my career, it was in my DNA, but like many of us, we kept our mouths shut because we were working in corporate gigs and saying the wrong things could be detrimental. However, as I moved through my career and uh, was positioned in higher levels of responsibility, I felt it was important to stand for something, for your ethics, for your beliefs in HR. And part of my DNA is to do the right thing. And the mm -hmm. attitude started to come when I, when I finally hit those senior roles, those CHRO roles, my DNA kicked in. And it was, don't be afraid to say, don't be the yes man in the room. I think that oftentimes HR folks are risk averse and they say yes or they listen or they take orders. And that was never me. And um, when you get that responsibility and you get that opportunity, I, you know, I jumped through that hoop. So today I'm all about saying what I believe is right, even if it goes against the grain of, of convention or what's politically correct. And, you know, you make a couple of enemies doing that. Um, you try not to burn too many bridges, but I could say there's a few brush fires out there from my uh, conversations. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I could say the same thing. I was never a chief human resources officer, but, um, yeah, I had, I had the same sort of, uh, I think, evolutionary stages of my career. When you get a little more seasoned and, you know, you're at a more strategic level, you do have to – you do have to kind of call out BS if it's BS and, and bad stuff if it's bad stuff. Um, there, there was a, that was a lot of a lot of the conversation at Work Human. I, I know you weren't there, but there was there was a ton of discussion about transparency, authenticity, DNI, coming to work, you know, allowing people to come to work as their full selves. Uh, companies with you know that need to have a, a vision and more than just a vision, they need to have like a just uh, a just cause for their business. It, it, it is really quite interesting, and it really feels like I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if you know. Sometimes you get caught up in the microcosm of a conference, and and you, you know you get a little for a couple of days. It's hard to come down off all the stuff you are hearing. But I really do think that, and we've talked a lot with other people on this show uh, in this series of shows about the Me Too movement or the Black Lives Matter and just the general state of HR and why HR isn't, you know, responding to or has seems to have not responded successfully to harassment and this kind of stuff. I just wonder if you have a, a take on that in general. Yeah, I, I think we all do. Uh, for me, it's about 
courage, HR having courage. And well before Me Too, if you go back several years, this is not new. We can, you know, I've done presentations and I've talked offline about, you know, businesses like Tyco and Enron, where there were a lot Mm -hmm. of bad things going on. And there were HR folks that were very aware of what was going on and they didn't step up to the plate. Now, you know, we all have to make a living. And if you're a senior HR executive and your bosses are doing bad things, oftentimes they come to you and say, you know, let's keep this between us, you know, um, protect the organization. And you're really put in a difficult, you're put in the vice. What do you do? Do you protect your CEO or do you protect your employees? And um, sometimes the wrong decisions are made. And it's not maliciously that they're made that way. It's just, hey, you know, I'm getting a paycheck and my boss wants me to protect them. And so I'm going to do that. But in the, in the end, um, we know what happens, right? And it comes right. out, it, everything comes out in the wash. Um, occasionally we lose things. We've got, you know, sock heaven, things disappear in the wash. But most of the time, they, mm. they come out in the wash. And we see this over and over again. And I think what's happened, and I did a presentation at SHRM Legislative just a couple of weeks ago in D.C., and I talked about the topic of decisions, decisions. What do you do when you're the senior HR person and your um, senior management team is breaking the law? And I put up photos of folks like, you know, um, a lot of the a lot of folks from the media space, Fox right. Television and Matt Lauer, and you know we can go on and on where things are happening that are bad and everybody knows about it and it's the best kept secret that everyone knows. So, to me, Me Too is just I I, I think it's hitting that point, that flashpoint, where it needs to be a bigger conversation. And I think it's a great thing that this is happening right now. And I think, unfortunately, tragedies create opportunities. Um, they mm-hmm. create... So if we, if we change gears and we talk about, look at what happened with the shooting down in Florida in the high school. Right. Tragic situation, regardless of your position on the Second Amendment, tragic situation. And now we have 17 and 18-year-olds stepping up and there's a movement. And sometimes it takes a tragedy to allow us to focus on what we really need to do. And, you know, as far as Me Too, unfortunately, there's been way too many tragedies. It's way too long for this to happen. So I'm glad to see it. Um, being a movement, I think that it's a different world that we're going we're gonna to enter into in the next couple of years, and HR is going to play a big part in that. I, I, I agree, uh, and, and, and have a, like a couple, just a couple follow-up questions. One of the things that, that, ha, that has developed out of that for HR, I think there are two issues that are kind of in the news right now, if you will. The first one is this, and, it, and it's an eternal conversation about the role of HR in a company and like whose side are they really on? Are they on the employee side or on, are they on the management side? And um, it's a, it, 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 as you know, it's a tremendously difficult role to straddle. 
and do successfully. And many many people do a great job of it. Some not so many. I wonder I wonder what your experience has been like with that. Well, I'll be honest. I've had a lot of experiences where management has come to me to do things that I would say are touching on covering up malfeasance. And I think early on, my naivety was to do what my bosses were asking me to do. And as you evolve and you realize, you know, what's really important at the end of the day, I think it's about what's doing right. And unfortunately for employees, unfortunately for senior management, that's about protecting your employees. And um, there needs to be clarity put around that for senior executives who work in HR that even if they're not told that their responsibility at the end of the day is to protect their employees and protect the corporation, they need to take it upon themselves to do so. And even if it's at the risk of their own jobs, because at the end of the day, that's the right thing to do. And we all have have choices to make with that. And my choices do the right thing. And I hope that most of the senior people out there today with everything going on in the media, and quite frankly, a lot of people criticize the media for bringing this all forward and spinning it and fake news. But at the end of the day, because of media, this is now a household conversation for everyone, regardless of whether you're in the HR space or not. So I think that's a good thing. And I think that HR folks would have to protect their employees and do the right thing, even if their management is disgusted by it or wants to fire them over it. That's the price of admission for being in HR. Mm-hmm. So some personal, some personal values, do the right thing, some personal courage to, to do, believe that you're standing up and, and, you know, holding that wall or whatever. I don't, I don't like these military terms, but that's what comes to mind for the employees in your organization to do the best that you can for them. Sounds a bit like, um, I think that the other thing that I learned is that, you know, that we, all companies talk about their values and culture. It, it is pretty important in, in a career and in order to be successful and carry out what you just talked about, you need to align yourself with a, with companies whenever you can that, that have those values culturally as well, I think. Because if you, you know, if you don't, if you're the odd man out or the odd person out, you can try and struggle and it's, it will often fail. Um, I've, I had much better success when I was in companies that sort of believed, not what I believed, but believed, as you said, in doing the right thing, and it was part of their core values. Um, so so you started blogging, like you said, very early, as did I, um, and Lori Rudeman, who, I, who was at, at Work Human and had a chance to have dinner with, which is great. She was one of the first people I met. Um, you And then now you write like all over the place, your personal blog and Fistful of Talent and recruiting blogs. And I think you said it, I think you said it some version of this, that you kind of write for the, 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 the standard side, the old guard of Sherm, if you will, or the more conservative side, but you also write for some of the edgy side, more edgy side. Can you talk about that and how you approach it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, just a, a step back, Back in in the heyday, the wild, wild west, and I had mentioned Laurie and Penelope Trunk at Brazen yep. Careerist, who I used to meet 
her every four or five weeks in New York City when she'd be on business trips. And mm-hmm. I'd pick her brains, and she's a really interesting person. Um, and Chris Dunn and others that I would follow early on, and I, I used to just comment on their sites. And then I got the courage to start my own site. And over time, I got a, a following. And quite frankly, a, a sidebar story is that three times during my blogging career, I had executive management ask me to stop blogging. <laughs> um, because I was their senior HR executive, and they felt that um, they were at risk, especially in the early days, that if I said something or mentioned a person or a situation, that it could bring a lawsuit. So I was put in a dilemma back then. However, um, you know, I continued to do it on and off over a period of years, and I found my voice, and I found my interest and in, learned how to write from those folks early on. And now um, I believe it's important for me to be a voice on SHRM because of the reach and because you have close to 300,000 members, not that 300,000 members read my blog, you know, an average article might get 1500 to 2000 views on SHRM, a really good article. I wrote one in the litmus test of uh, on CEOs about a year ago talking about um, if your HR person doesn't report to the CEO, what does that tell you about the organization's belief in their people that got 14,000 or 14,000 views? So, you know, I I think it's important to have a voice there, although it is a little bit generic and they do have controls. And what I love about writing for Fistful of Talent and Recruiting Daily is that they let me go free. And they let me express my views. And with the exception of doing something minor like changing an image for clarity on the site, or one time I wrote an article on FOT relating to risky business. And sometimes you have to say what the F word. And I actually wrote the F word out. And it posted for 24 hours until... Fistful of Talent realized my inappropriateness, and we changed it to three asterisks after the F. Yeah. But what I love about yeah. writing for them is that they let me say what I want to say to the audience. And what's interesting also is that not every post is a home run. It's like baseball. You know, if your batting average is 300 blogging in terms of viewership or comments or interest, that's pretty good. You're going to write some duds. And um, right. it took me a long time to accept that, that I could write a bad post. But over time, you take the good with the bad. And every once in a while, and usually it's the, the post that you write as an afterthought, that you get six or 700 shares or 2,000 shares and 50 comments, and you go, oh, my God, I hit a nerve. So... Mm. I love doing it. You know, in the beginning, it was about doing it for me. And now I've evolved to doing it for others. And I'm kind of like one of the grandfathers of of blogging. So (laughs) we'll see where it goes. You know, um, the the most widely read post I ever had and that the blog that it was on doesn't exist anymore. I let the accidentally let the domain expire and I lost about a thousand posts, but the, the, the largest post I ever wrote was titled um, Porn Network. There's an app for that 
which there really wasn't. It was more speculation about how that might happen someday. And I had over right. 12,000 12, views on the first day, mostly because of the porn in the title, I suspect. But it was like, it was it was by far the, the largest largest article that I wrote or that I or post that I wrote that I ever knew of. I, and I still think that's, you know, I chuckle every time I think about it. Anyway, listen, we've got to talk some about Sherm 18. And we're down to the last 10 minutes, under 10 minutes. So you you are on the, the, the blog squad, which is a kind of a silly name, but um, it's what they're calling us the, for Sherm 18. And you're also speaking at, at, at the event, I think, on two different topics. So you have a very large role this year in Chicago with Sherm. Um, I, before we talk about your speaking topics, I'd love to kind of hear what your plan is for covering the – Conf covering the conference and, and what, if anything, you've done in, in advance. I know you gave an interview with someone yesterday that I read, but what are you working on as uh, from a blogging end? So I, I've taken a different tact over the last two years with the blog squad. Um, most of the folks are doing profiles on speakers, and I actually did one on Tim Sackett, who is pretty pretty well known in the blogging community and he also writes for FOT and has his own blog and is yeah. out there as considered a talent expert. Tim's a great guy, fun guy. And I think, I believe he's speaking also at SHRM 18. And, um, but for the most part, my approach has been to look behind the curtain. I kind of think of Oz, pull the curtain back. Mm -hmm. How does this all happen? So I did some, uh, interviews with the folks who actually create the conference this year. I was with mm -hmm. Letty Klotz and Lisa, who's the VP um, for the conference, and Andrew, who's the director of social media and the blogging group. And I said to them, tell the audience what goes into this, because I think there's a, in, people want to know, you know, how does this all come together? So to me, that's been the interest up to now. And at the conference, I'm not the, I'm not the person who wants to focus on the main stuff. I want to go into the dark corners of the conference to hear what's going on, the stuff that, that people aren't necessarily um, reporting on, to hear the whispers in the corners. What's making this conference different? What are the top hot topics? Who are the vendors on the floor? When I walk the floor on Sunday and Monday, I'm not looking for the vendors that we all know, and there's probably 13 or 1,400 of them. I'm looking mm -hmm. for the new vendors. So like last year, there were a couple of vendors that were competing in a space for um, corporate housing, like think of um, Airbnb for businesses, mm -hmm. and they had started platforms. That was something that people weren't, necessarily aware of until the conference a couple of years ago it was lynda.com you know that was the big player in the space that was the newbie what's what's the different what's the unique player at the conference so i'm really really interested in that and what's the hot topic that we haven't talked about like i think at some point we could say me too is a great topic but it's been we've covered it to death so is there a new topic out there that kind of on the front edge that no one's talking about yet? And what are people, what are people saying about it? And that's what I want to focus on. 
I think that that'll okay. be a lot of fun. Good. Um, you have two uh, two topics. The first one is uh, on performance re- the performance review dilemma. I won't read the whole title, but you're gonna gonna talk about the 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 future of performance appraisal, I guess, in some way. Um, so just hit hit the high points there for us for that for a second. About and then we'll get into the one that really interests me. Sure. So um, I met Marcus Buckingham. I do a lot of work with, or have done a lot of work in the past with Gallup. Marcus Buckingham Mm -hmm. was a former Gallup guru who went out on his own. And he wrote a really interesting article a couple of years ago on HBR, challenging the status quo of performance reviews and why do we do them? And um, my presentation, which is a mega session on Monday at the conference, deals with the issue of should you continue to do your reviews the way you've been doing them or should you change them or just scrap them, burn it down. And I'll, I'll give different viewpoints on it. I'm not locked in, although I have my personal opinions on it. Um, And I want to stoke a conversation with the folks in the room. What are you doing about this? Are you doing constant feedback and how is this going to move forward? So I think it'll be a fun presentation. I'm also doing it at Talent in a week and a half in Vegas. So I actually mm-hmm. get to, to work out the kinks in front of an audience of three or 350 before I speak to a thousand people. Um, at yeah, the, uh, so, so, yeah, talent, yeah, talent is, is a good conference. I've only been to a couple. My, I served on an expertise panel for Sherman Labor Relations. So like you, I went to the labor, the legislative and labor law conference almost every year, but didn't make it this year because I was busy. Um, David Rock, who's a neuro, neuroscience guy. I know, I know David. I've met him. Great guy. Yeah, he, he's, he says stop giving feedback, right? He, he says, and this is, he, he, he repeated this, I think, on slides. Stop giving feedback like four times. And he said have people, both sides in, in performance appraisal need to start figuring out how to ask for feedback. And that was his big, that was his big thing. I, I, so let's talk about. So I guess you you ha- I know you, the other one is called the uh, the. It, yeah. <laughs> let me let me get let me get this one right. The Empire Strikes Back: The Dark Side of HR Part Two. And you're on something that I've seen on Twitter and other places that you refer to as the Last Jedi Tour. I think so. The Last Day Jedi Tour. And how Star Wars plays into HR. So last year I did the Smart Stage for the first time. I've done a Disrupt HR in the past and it got me interested in the smart stage and I did my um, first Star Wars theme program and it got me thinking I'm you know I'm an old dude I'm kind of like the movie this past year I'm the last HR Jedi and not that I'm the last but I'm an older HR guy I've got some wisdom and I want to talk about the challenges of pushing back on all this malfeasance and what better stage than a smart stage for 18 minutes? And I've got some surprises with it. Last year, I did a 90-second Star Wars scroll as my walk-on. You know, a lot of people have music that they walk on stage to, kind of like baseball players walking up to the plate. Well, I had a mm-hmm. Star Wars walk-on. I've got some things <laughs> planned for this year as well. And I rocked the audience because they were blasting Star Wars through the area outside of uh, the smart stage um, at the conference last year. 
And I really want to just get folks' attention very simply, you know, how do you push back? You know, what is your role in HR and what can you do now to basically say, no, I'm not going to take this anymore. It sounds like an old movie line um, for those of us old enough to know about, no, I'm not going to take it anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's what it's about. So I'm going to have fun with it. And the last HR Jedi tour, I'm, I'm doing five presentations right now with three more queued up relating to SHRM and disrupt HR throughout the year. So it'll probably be seven or eight when I'm done. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of blending that concept of an H of, of a rock band doing the last tour. Think of the Eagles or the Rolling Stones when they're getting a little older, but they still have something to say that's relevant. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm going to have fun with it. <laughs> sounds, it sounds like a blast. I, I, I will, uh, I will definitely make an attempt to get to that one uh, while, while we're there. Um, we're under 90 seconds, um, kind of running out of time here. Uh, a couple quick questions. Um, venues, I don't know if McCormick serves what kind of soda they they serve. Coke or Pepsi for your for you as far as soda? Do you do or do you drink not drink it? Well, let's just say that Tito's is a little more my speed, but I'm a Coke guy <laughs> only because I own stock in them. But you know, other than that, it's Tito's, and I'll be sure to bring a little Tito's to the bloggers lounge. Just Sounds don't tell good. me. Yeah. Yeah, I was just in Austin at a bar and somebody ordered Tito's and they said, we don't have it. And she looked at the server and said, this is Austin, right? I didn't come to the wrong yeah. side. Anyway, because yeah, Tito's is, is made in Austin, I guess. Um, yeah. Okay. So just for just we're, we're literally down to 20 seconds, Mark. So um, your Twitter handle is simple. It's at HC3. Any last thoughts for our uh, listeners? Nope. Just I look okay. forward to seeing you all out on the road and follow me on the on the sites we talked about. Have a great, hey, great. Thanks so much for being on Drive Through. I look forward to seeing seeing you in June in person, Mark. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Take care.